0: First goddamn week of winter. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Holmes Movies There, pos- nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. The first ever Holmes Movies Podcast episode of 2022. Hooray! We 2022. another year of the pandemic. Mm. Yes, twenty. We're still, we're still in the long 2020 um and um yeah here we are 10 years after the start of the pandemic um and it is uh, uh it is tiresome but what are we talking about today well um that's adam by the way just in case anyone didn't know did you just have like a blackout it was like what are we talking about today pause <laughs> well <what's it? laughs> do you know where you are i do i do know where you get I in the game anders <laughs> uh yeah i am um uh this is not good radio tell them what tell them what we're talking about do it so now. today uh seeing as jesus we... christ <laughs> <laughs> what do, you, do you know where you are you... wake up i'm <laughs> i'm awake, <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> it is i mean technically it is dark outside where i am so, what, you, know. so you just shut down <laughs> um no, that be, well, Star okay. Wars, when r2d2 just falls over <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so on the last episode of the podcast where we talked about our favorite Christmas movies, we did bring up a lot of films where they were like, is it a Christmas film? No, it's a snow film. So on a this episode, film. we are bringing up films. What was that? It's a sound effect. Snow. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> snow films. Yeah. So um, films set winter, largely in the snow. Uh, films where the tone of the film is set by the snow, which take place largely... Um, in a snow-filled environment. I already said that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you know what a snow film is, people. Come on. Um, and uh, and yeah, it is actually, um, it has snowed where I am. So I'm looking out the window at a bunch of snow, which kind of sets the mood. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think there's a there's a ton of films uh, that take place uh, in the winter, in the snow, where the snow uh, causes problems for the characters. It causes uh, the film to have a particular mood um, and a particular look. Snow is very beautiful. Snow is also cold, and it is dangerous. And um, it is dangerous. I yeah. was out walking. Um, uh, me and Felina, my girlfriend, we were out walking her dog, and slippery. You got to be careful. You got to have the right Jesus shoes. Fucking guy, just, just Scott of the Antarctic over there walking. At <laughs> dog oh it's, so, oh it's very slippery oh man geez you're like fucking edmund hillary you are wow someone made a documentary about you intrepid explorer you pillock okay how much uh, snow have you got like it's like half a centimeter yeah that's, A light dusting of icing it's that's, that's, on a cake that, that's it's true. <laughs> oh, it's such a numpty I can't believe you're Like, yeah, uh, God, it's, it's really dangerous. I nearly, I nearly fell on a puddle. I did nearly fall on a puddle. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> um. So yeah. So, okay. Well, can we can we get. Uh, so so not in the top ten snow films is the documentary about Anders touching the void. <laughs> that's a Rackets good. Docu- that's a good documentary, by the ovals. way. Uh, well, Do- Touching the Void, that's a very good documentary. Good good uh, survival documentary. Yeah, well, we're not doing documentaries, so there's not going to be any um, Nanook of the North uh, or any such thing. Um, and, or um, encounters, we- encounters at the End of the World, that uh, Werner Herzog documentary in the Antarctic. It is very cold here. <laughs> it's a very interesting documentary. Like, just a, a documentary about all the people that live in Antarctica. It's a really, really interesting documentary. Like, How just- many people... I mean, there's well, people. I mean, scientists and people who live out there and stuff. Well, we'll be talking about some scientists later, won't we? Uh, In Antarctica, Um, shall we get into this list and give the people what they want? Because people love lists, but lists are bullshit. Why? Why do people love things that are bullshit? I guess it's just the 21st century. Yeah, blame the internet. So at number 10 is the film we've we actually talked about on a Holmes movies recommends episode last year around this time or a little bit in January. And that is the Jim Cummings uh, horror comedy, uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. That's right. Um, I have since watched this film. Uh, I watched it on a plane, but that um, sorry, Jim. um, But um, uh, I'm sure that was not the mode in which he intended for me to watch it but I really liked it and it's got the word snow in the title. Yeah. So um yeah. Um super atmospheric little horror thriller don't you think? It is very atmospheric and it's also incredibly funny. Yeah, it's very funny but it's also very like it's a bit like well I mean let's let's talk about it like substance abuse alcoholism is a big part of the film's story and it's like that thing where um there is a sort of funniness on one level but it's also incredibly sad and depressing on another a bit like um what is just like looking at modern america <laughs> you know for on one level it's very funny on another level it's terrifying and sad but yeah. yeah the wolf of snow hollow like gets to that sort of core of um that walks it, it really walks that fine line between them um yeah, it's tragic comic. Yeah. Like, yeah, it it's, is, um, it it's, is it's, it's super comedy. poignant in places. I found it very uh, moving, but also, as you say, uh, tr- immensely entertaining and frequently very, uh, very funny. One thing I wanted to say, actually, the sequence in some ways that sticks in my head the most is the credits sequence, which just is like a series of landscapes in the snow. Yeah, I like that a lot. It really does set the tone of the film pretty well. And also, it does play around with that idea of whether this werewolf is actually real or is it just a person in a suit and i think that that aspect of the film is actually quite interesting and i i I found that very very engaging yeah the whole um i mean when you describe it to people being like a werewolf or not a werewolf depending uh is terrorizing a community in utah um they're like what and then as you say it's like is it a is it a person is it a is it not but actually that question is has significance beyond just the basic fact of like what's happening. Like it's a sort of, it's a question of superstition, belief. I feel like there's a lot in here that you could unpack and sort of see as a metaphor for sort of like wider social, cultural problems in America. Like that sort of the willingness to believe in something that is impossible. And yet, um, you know, seems like the path of least resistance, you know, so. Um, whether that's a werewolf or whether that's like um, QAnon, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I I get it. Yeah, it's a very it's 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 a film that has quite a lot to say, even though it, it doesn't give the impression that it, it that it, it does. It just looks like a typical like horror thriller, but it actually has quite a lot going on under the surface. And um, yeah, super. And, and I, I like I like super like sort of a um, uh, slow release kind of realization, like stuff that you're like days later you're like oh that's what they were doing like yeah yeah I mean the beta test is new film which came out last year which he also co-wrote and co-directed with a collaborator called PJ McCabe who's also stars in the film Um, and Jim Cummings also stars in the film as well that's also kind of like a horror comedy uh, film called the beta test which is like it's like a it's like part erotic thriller and part like Hollywood satire hmm it's really very really, good. it's really good it's really really good yeah. and i i do like his kind of you know his the his style of film and also just the way he goes about trying to get films made is actually quite inspiring i would like i really like recommend people following him on twitter he's actually quite like inspirational in a lot of ways he's such a positive presence on social media which is a rare thing to say i mean like he's he's yeah. very he's very good value on online um very charming, very self-effacing, and and very funny, and also just so enthusiastic about and about cinema, and um, and and yeah, it seems just like a really great, great egg. Um, very good actor too, which you know, yeah, he's you, very you good. Think on the surface, like young independent filmmaker, puts himself in his movies that are highly personal. You think, well, that could go, that could go wrong, and actually, it feels like it has not yet and it and and it won't if you you trust his authorial voice and his presence um he he really has that sort of um I mean this is like probably maybe ridiculously high praise but you know he reminds me a little bit of Renoir just in the sense that Renoir just completely embodied his movies and Mm. and you know would often appear in them as well obviously incredibly different style incredibly different time period but, but that sort of sense that he is uh, for one of a better word, an auteur, uh, it really sort of pervades his stuff, and that's not to say that there aren't obviously like really great people involved, great actors, great crew, you know, cinematographers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's definitely a, 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 a good figurehead for independent filmmakers out there. So um, anyway, enough. Yeah. Have we done enough sucking up to Jim Cummings? <laughs> no, but he also and he also did manage to get one final performance from Robert Forster. Yes, Robert Forster is so good in the in Wolf of Snow Hollow, and um, and that's like super poignant i mean the whole theme of like bereavement and loss is um yeah legacy as well yeah 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 anyway so, so um <laughs> Hollow* is a brilliant film go watch it if you haven't and probably try and find a bigger screen than i did when i watched it on a british airways flight um at number nine is a snowy western it's the uh sydney pollock western jeremiah johnson with um robert redford so all the people that show the meme online on twitter where like you see like this burly man on a horse like you know doing that nod of approval that looks like everyone thought was zach galifianakis was that but it was actually robert redford that's from jeremiah johnson in the sort of the last like part of the movie yeah so um it's a film about a man who goes to the mountains and becomes a mountain man, um, the sort of uh, roving bearded uh, characters who roamed the West in the sort of early to mid 19th century, um, usually hunting beaver. I mean, this is a very romantic um, film. He doesn't um, go with any. Thing in mind except to kind of disappear from civilization and he manages that it doesn't always feature snow but when the snow is there it's really there um it's very very snowy it's and it looks very very cold he finds a frozen corpse at one point he um he goes he tries to fish with his bare hands in a frozen river um which doesn't go well um there are bears in the you know snowy parts uh, and then there's a lot of um fighting in the snow as well um as he encounters uh, native people who um, are uh, not friendly, shall we say? Um, it's and um, a, it's yeah. um, Crow country, isn't it? Where it's set, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, he encounters lots of different groups, but yeah, the Crow end up becoming his kind of um, nemesis. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think this. I think Jeremiah Johnson is a very uh, very good film. Uh, it's a very interesting western because it's not like your standard propaganda kind of colonial narrative you know the sort of manifest destiny on film that you get with you know a lot of like john ford movies from the 40s and 50s for example but it it has it feels like it's it's more meditative it's um it's sort of melancholic in a way um and um and it's it's about it's about a lot of things that you 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 associate with Westerns, like sort of um self-reliance and individualism and and loneliness and inability to kind of function with the rest of society. So it feels like it's kind of it's, it's really a post peck and par kind of movie. Um and very beautiful in places and very um very gripping. I'm I'm always surprised that not more films were made about um mountain men and just like the, the whole thing of like being outdoors. Um there's a terrible Clark Gable Western called Across the Wide Missouri um, but I can't think of that many oh and then there's the Big Sky, the Howard Hawks movie but there's not that many and um, they're great, I feel like they're a great source of you know stories you know guys out there on their own like hunting and trapping and you know surviving because that's the thing when you when you make a film like this it's not just a western it's also a survival movie you know yeah it does belong into that subgenre of survival film it's a little bit like it's basically the 70s version of the the revenant right yeah except it's better than the revenant and it's not as like blood soaked um, yeah, and The Revenant's pretty good. The Revenant was on our let's let's be honest, The Revenant was on our uh, shortlist. It just didn't quite make the cut. Um Yeah, despite the fact that Alejandro González Iñárritu did put his crew through the fucking ringer while making that movie, um, it is a very gorgeous film, The Revenant. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I I need to watch it again. I think. Um, but um, uh, but but yeah. I think like with Jeremiah Johnson, I guess if you really wanted to kind of look at like what the film is about, if you really wanted to. Just think about it it's it, i always kind of think about it. it's about a reluctant father who has to be, be there for his family when he doesn't want to yeah that's actually it, it, it's a little similar to to the outlaw Josie wales like the way he sort of accumulates um family members that he doesn't think he wants and then ends up um obviously relying on them in a certain way um although clint eastwood just turned 500 years old did you see uh, <laughs> hey he didn't he's still making movies oh my god um I, yeah, anyway, let's not talk about Clint Eastwood. But Robert Redford is still around as well. And he is um he's had a great uh he's had a great career and has a, he's yeah, a he's wonderful had. legacy behind him as well. And um and I, I do think this film um should stand as a, a as one of you know his greater um achievements as an actor because he's very good in it. Um and um and yeah, he had quite a Pollock directed him in a few films, didn't he? Yeah, they had a they had a they worked together quite a bit. Um The Electric Horseman. Uh, Havana, yeah, so not not quite Scorsese De Niro, but you know. Um, nah, but I feel like I mean, I mean, one of the films yeah, that the Sid- the, one of the westerns that Sydney Pollack did that I really liked was um, the Scout Hunters. I mean, not a great film, but it was pretty fun for what it was. He he definitely um, doesn't take a traditional approach. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, the Scout out Hunters. of Africa. Yeah, he also that was another uh, Robert Redford Sidney Pollack film. That's right. Yeah, that's the one we're forgetting. Um, I knew there was another one. Um, but yeah, I think this is the best of the bunch. Uh, and, um, and I really recommend it. And um, yeah, and it did spawn that meme. So yeah, it did spawn that meme. And, <laughs> and it was make- very, very snowy in places. Not always, yeah. but in places, very, very snowy. It would make for a great double bill with uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. The uh, Robert Altman film. Now, that's a potential snow film that we didn't have on the list. But anyway, um, when we when we do honourable mentions, there are a couple of other westerns I want to mention. Anyway, uh, yes. what is at number eight? So, number eight is uh, something a little bit more current and uh, is a horror film. And I do feel like winter adds quite a bit to horror films. I think snow is yeah. a very sort of good atmospheric tool in a lot of ways and that is the swedish uh vampire film let the right one in very good film um yeah t- t- horrors uh, horror films and snow go together very very nicely don't they um real uh there's a real partnership there the good thing about snow is of course it's cold it presents uh your victims with a landscape that is inhospitable and um frequently in snowy places it gets dark early and in the dark scary things happen um and in this film um which i would say is a non-traditional vampire movie um is uh uh you know the the scariness is there's a couple of different kinds of scariness there's the scariness of just an ordinary situation in a horror film where someone is out at night and there's something stalking them you know standard we've seen that since the beginning of time but there's also the scariness of like the scariness of other people. Um, yeah, I know. It's the a scariness film about- of <laughs> nasty, mean-spirited others, and um, and then the scariness about- of like not knowing what there's, what not knowing what you are, and not knowing where what your place is in the world. So it's like there's there's all sorts of different ways of getting scared in this film. Yeah, it's a it's a film about bullying, and it's a film about finding connection with somebody else, and um, it's a love story in a lot of ways. Very unusual love story, but it's it is a love story in some in to to some degree. Um, It was remade a few years later into an American film directed by Matt Reeves, who uh, is directing the new Batman film, which I haven't seen, but is apparently okay. But this film is particularly good, and uh, the acting in it is great. And um, the final scene in the pool is uh, is such a great sequence, and also... A very subdued sequence because i feel like if anyone else was directing that scene they would actually make it really stylized but i think the director i think it's thomas alfredson who did uh tinker taylor soldier spy with gary oldman he shoots it in a very restrained way that it actually it's very like it really puts you in the in the in the main character sort of mindset. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 yeah, I I don't I, I can't say enough good things about this. Yeah, as you say, the acting is great, especially when you consider that the um central performances are um, you know, by two younger actors, like child almost child actors really. Um and uh, yeah it's 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 very beautiful. Um and um I've only seen it once, but I feel like I can remember it incredibly well, um, which um I think yeah. speaks to its um quality. It has a lot of great imagery, um, particular a lot of like haunting imagery, particularly mm. in um, a scene where he he doesn't invite her in, which is what you're supposed to do with a vampire. That scene is pretty like, yeah, but yeah, well, um, the without, without the spoiling thing about too much, no, yeah, right, um, <laughs> don't worry, um, I think people understand that in a vampire film, certain people are going to get um, uh, they're going to get bitten uh in in the um otherwise you know what's the point um the snow is a great canvas isn't it i mean because you really get this sort of unique um backdrop for um for any kind of image that you want to create i mean we talked about the credit sequence of both of snow hollow but um you know in this he he and his cinematographers really understand how to light snow at night and have that sort of the weird soft you know, silence of a snowy landscape in the in the nighttime and how kind of eerie that can be. Um yeah, it's good. I mean, I love movies when they use music very sprawlingly, where they don't have they have music and in sprawlingly? The, is that a I word? sparingly, In sparingly, yeah. <laughs> <You're> malfunctioning. <laughs> they use music sparingly, like they use music in the right places where you need to have music and using sound to actually create atmosphere yeah no it's um it's such a great um like it's such a such a uh, sort of a a a, a complete package you know everything they, every, everyone involved in this film understood the assignment. Put it that way. Yeah. So at number seven is a film that has actually appeared on one of our lists, best shootouts, and that is the, Shootout. and that is the very snowy film that takes place in Wyoming, and that is Taylor Sheridan's directorial debut, Wind River, with Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. So uh, we debated about this a little bit before recording um, because it has already appeared on a list and. Um, a shootout, um, and it has a very good shootout in it, as previously described, but I feel like this is such a snowy film, snow and winter are such central characters in this, or uh, it's such a situational, it's of such situational importance to the narrative, that it's kind of, you can't ignore it, um, and um, you know, the whole film revolves around a body, uh, a series of bodies that are found in the snow, and one of whom died because of the cold. And, um, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, as we talked about on the last, uh, on the shootout, top 10, um, you know, it has a, it has a wider point to make about the way, um, uh, you know, the, the, the plight of Indigenous people in America and specifically the violence against indigenous women which is endemic and um is a huge problem that isn't talked about enough um uh but yeah it's um it, it it's it's a splendid film i feel like it's widely available i see it's always available to stream somewhere i think it's currently on netflix but um, I don't hear it talked about as much as it should be. I and mean, I look at, you know, no, when, I think when I think about film Twitter, it doesn't come up as much as I feel like. And, and it made such a deep impression on me um, when I watched it a few years ago. Yeah. I feel like out of the films that Taylor Sheridan has either written or di- or directed, I think that's the one that stuck with me the most. Like I like Sicario, but it it's, it's just a film about the war on drugs. So I'm just like, yeah, okay. It's a pretty film, but at the end of the day it's just a film about the war on drugs it's not a film we've that done yet- that that we've done that before and it's been not this, the problem with yeah. sicario is it's not interesting enough to justify making another film about cartels and the border and stuff i mean we've already and also there's a whole breaking bad like deals with that you know in a number of uh seasons and you know there's been so much content about that so i don't know sicario but but Sicario seems to come up way more uh, in discussion. Yeah, than, I know. I think really it's just because it. it's Denis Villeneuve directing, it and it's Roger Deacons and everything like that. It's like, yeah, it's a it's a good looking film. I just don't get that much anything from it. Hello, and High it's water not a snow film, and it's not. It's a desert film. Um, but Hello High Water is another film which I think is actually pretty good and does have actually something to say in a very nuanced kind of way. But I feel like Wind River. Yeah. I think for me, I think just has scenes and moments that really do stick with you. I mean, last time it, I mean, I saw it for the first time last year on DVD and it, it's, it's stuck with me pretty well. And it's also a film that it's, you know, it's easily to watch. It's, it's 90 minutes. I mean, easy to watch it because it's 90 minutes. So it's, but it, but it's, it's a good 90 minutes. Like it's able to get your points across in a very well paced kind of way. And recently, which is more I, than you can say for a lot of films these days. Yeah. And recently I did buy a book, uh, i heard about this i think it was on radio lab podcast it's called yellow bird oil murderer and a woman's search for justice in indian country by sierra crane uh murdoch Ooh. which um i wanted i wanted to get it after i think there was a podcast episode with the author or some of the people involved in the story on that podcast episode that i really wanted to get so yeah i haven't read it yet but i i would like to so It deals, deals with similar themes does it it does yeah well yeah i mean i think so the good things about wind river are number one great thriller number two great western uh modern western yeah number three brilliant performances um so that's just the sort of film part of it uh but then like there are points to be made like serious points. it's not like wolf of snow hollow where you come away being like oh he's made some subtle points like the, the points in this film are not subtle it is like hey guys pay fucking attention this is a, this is a problem and so it reminds me in some ways of the kind of films that were made in the mid century like problem, you know issue pictures like whether it's like yeah. gentleman's agreement or crossfire or or something like that where it's like um or guess who's coming to dinner where it's like quite a didactic um point is being made about um civil rights or social justice you know whatever you want to call it and um but in in the in the in the guise of a very very entertaining and very well made thriller, um, it's just um, it, it, I think it's a, I think it's one of the most brilliant American films that's been made this century. I will go out on limb and say that. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. Wind River, very fucking good. Yes, it is. Uh, so at number six is a on the opposite side of that. This is a comedy. Uh, this is another Swedish film. Um, Swedes. Yeah, we're talking about snow films. I mean, of course there's <laughs> going to be Swedish films in there, right? Yeah, and that is the... Um, it's the... <laughs> I mean, it's such a really funny film. Uh, it's Force Majeure, the Swedish film from uh, Ruben uh, Osland, who also directed the movie The Square. Force Majeure is hilarious. Um, it is um, about a family who goes skiing... Um, they witness an avalanche and during the avalanche um, the husband essentially or the father husband father figure runs away <laughs> he basically just leaving le- essentially I mean everyone is fine but essentially he leaves his in that moment he leaves his children and wife to die as far <laughs> as he's concerned um, and um, and it is what is what is brilliant about the the concept is that there's a, there's a sort of prolonged setup for this moment and then this moment happened and the way they allow it to define the rest of the film is brilliant because if you, if you imagine like if that happened in a lot of movies it would be it would be mined for sort of like either very very broad comedy or it would be used as a sort of like knife twist in a sort of psychological thriller like here it's this sort of initially like it's not really commented on and then it starts to grow like a sort of cancer within all of the characters and it's and 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 what they do so brilliantly is they use it to um examine and critique kind of modern millennial masculinity in a way that's just so savage i sat there watching it being like oh god i hope i'm not like that and then realizing that in many ways i am like all yeah. our modern men have this problem that we're kind of like overgrown boys in certain ways and um and it was just so funny um and and it's so clever and it, and it just is, it's like, everyone is, they're, they're not, they're never let, you know, they never sort of um, go, you know, fire all the, the fireworks at once. They let it, you know, they do a sort of slow release of all the, of all the um, anger and, and confusion of the characters. And, um, and it's just, it's a riot. Um, and it's such a good satire of like modern parenting. And, you know, it's just, it's just brilliant. And, and, and of like middle-class, like, Holiday culture, you know, um, it's, it's like it's one of the great like family dysfunction films. If we had if we did a top ten like dysfunctional families, I feel like this would have to be in there. Yeah, but also I think the great thing about the humor is that it's subtle and it's not done in a way yeah. that's supposed to like let people laugh at it. And it it, it allows the well, audience you, you to find it you funny. Chuckle. You do, yeah, you do. But yeah. it's just like it's not. You don't have actors there trying to be funny. They're just being, they're just playing it straight. I think that's the really good thing about it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there are so many films that would take this idea and you use it to really do big laughs, like have people um you know prat falling or whatever, you know, just having moments of enormous um hilarity to you know big crescendos but where the rest of the film doesn't you know match that the great thing about force majeure is it's all at the same level you're constantly just sort of like shaking your head and chuckling and being like oh god and like you know sometimes like cringing almost yeah it is great cringe it's such it's such a brilliant like cringing film and it's it's and also it's tight film it's 80 minutes and it gets so much in that runtime you could watch you could watch this and Wind River in the time it would take you to watch some of those fucking idiot Marvel movies that come out, and you would have a far better experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, come at me, internet. <laughs> again, again, this was a film that was remade fairly recently. Um, it oh, came out, no, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an American remake with uh, Will Ferrell and Julie louis Dreyfus. It was called. You see, and I bet called- that's nowhere near as. You see, I bet that's doing exactly what force majeure doesn't do, and having like you know big sort of crescendo laughs, like you know everyone kind of choking on their popcorn, and then back to being kind of mediocre. You know, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I've not many people saw it because it did come out in the time where like we should be taking this pandemic very seriously and shut down all cinemas, so and no one really watched it. But I feel like it didn't get the best reviews when it did come out well i'm not fucking surprised um but force majeure is um i think one of um uh one of the the again like wind river like a, a film that feels very very um of our time um and a good um a good kind of text for when we look back at the the era just before the pandemic we'll be like yeah I, uh, that 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 checks out. Um, <laughs> I do and, uh, and I just yeah, I found, I, I must say I, there were many situations in that where I was like, this feels so familiar yeah it did it, i mean the setting as well i mean i know it takes place in france but it did take it did remind me a lot of the times we, we used to go to norway skiing and just all that sort of stuff well it's like beach culture isn't it like ski culture beach culture like it's all it's the same the world over there are certain and, and like it, more people are involved like the more popular places the more kind of depressing it gets in a certain way and it's yeah like, i've been i've been to the alps it can insert it's very beautiful but in other areas with all the people and all that you know it, it, it starts to feel a bit like a horrible kind of theme park um but yeah they, they do that they do all that stuff so well it feels like there's a character in the film who wordlessly, observes everything that's going on a janitor in the hotel oh my god when they're having an argument outside the hotel room and he's just watching them while having a cigarette it's so funny and i love the fact that the camera just stays still it doesn't move or anything it just captures this like all these like moments it's just wonderful yeah that i feel like that character of the janitor who's like smoking and watching this like weird shit unfold he's such a metaphor for the entire film like it's like the film is him but also we are him in some ways like this sort of um observers who are um outside but also uncomfortably close um yeah yeah brilliant brilliant film yeah he does take that style of film like that satirical eye of on the family and does place it into the world of the arts the art world in the square which uh came out a few years later yeah i want to i do really want to watch that It's Um, good I, i would say force majeure is better but it is still pretty good yeah, well, the square is not a snow film. So, um, uh, exactly, it's a, not it's appearing a... on our list. So, uh, this week, did we get any um correspondence? Yeah, we did, we did. We got we got a little bit, which was uh, which was really nice. Uh, so the big balance podcast, uh, they wrote, uh, gotta go the shining, right? But hateful eight uh, is always strong, right? I wanted to talk. So, good, thank you, big balance, for bringing up um, uh, these films. Number one, let's let's deal with the shining thing. Uh, we were talking about this before we recorded and um, you could make a top 10 snow films that are just horror. We realised we had too many horror movies and um, The Shining just doesn't have enough snow in it so it had to go. Um, and uh, even though it is very snowy in places and the snow is one of the reasons for the whole film existing in the first place, uh, it just, um, yeah, it just didn't It didn't make the cut. Didn't quite but, make the cut, yeah. But we will, I promise you, there will be horrors uh, to come. But yeah, so The Hateful Eight um good film not a great yeah. film um great performances um and it undoubtedly very very snowy um the western is another like horror for some reason snow and westerns go together very very well a lot of people wouldn't imagine that but there are um plenty of snow westerns there's the uh slightly weird uh train based who done it with charles bronson called break heart pass which if you haven't <laughs> seen it is well worth a watch uh, it's not Definitely not the best film you'll ever see, but uh, very entertaining. Um, the um, you have your uh, you have your hateful eight, of course. We've already mentioned Jeremiah Johnson uh, and the Revenant. Um, there's also a brilliant film which I wanted to put on the list, but Anders hadn't seen. And um, there's another film on there that he hasn't seen, so I decided to go with that one instead. Um, uh, it's called Day of the Outlaw with Robert Ryan. Um, really, really good um, western directed by Andre de Toth, I think. Is. Uh, which um, is it? I think so yeah i'll just look it up but yeah it is um i'm recommending it to you and everyone listening right now uh it has um is it, it on the criterion channel i do not think so um all right uh, but know. it <laughs> is it, it is uh it is widely available i think um i think like one of those I think it might be like, on amazon prime uh i, if I, I uh, do if know that for any of you physical media uh Buyers. I think it is available on um Blu-ray through one of those companies like um Eureka or something like that. Yeah, Eureka. Eureka. Yeah, they yeah. have it, they have it as part of their Masters of Cinema collection. Yeah. Uh it it absolutely um uh it is worth getting uh on DVD or Blu-ray, uh worth streaming if you can. It looks like it's widely available to stream. It is directed by Andre Bitoth. It came out in 1959, Day of the Outlaw, brilliant Western. Um yeah. So um. So and and I think uh, partly uh, inspiration for the Hateful Eight as well, along with other were uh, films that well we the other made one was about. the Great Silence, the Sergio Kabucci film, right? Which we also didn't put on, um, uh, but is a wonderful film. If we, if, I think, if this film list went to fifteen, I think both these films would have made the cut, and probably The Shining as well. Um. Yeah. yeah any other any other shout outs from our community of listeners? Uh, yeah, uh, straight to DVD, uh, podcast. They wrote, uh, gotta throw the thing and let the right one in, into the mix. Well, um straight to dvd um you've already seen that we have included let the right one in and uh, i suspect the thing will be on the list no spoilers uh so um just a, yeah just a final one uh the smoke and mirrors podcast they wrote they wrote a few they wrote wind river on yep. deadly ground not on dangerous ground on deadly ground the steven seagal taking down the oil men in, in some snowy locale, which she directed. Okay, I haven't seen that. Michael Caine is the villain in that movie. Right. Okay, Must then have then been a does, paycheck film. It <laughs> <laughs> does sound gloriously shit, I will yeah. admit. that. that, yeah. that, that, that I, I normally don't like Steven Seagal films, but now you've mentioned that it's set in the snow and Michael Caine is in it, I feel like... Um, that might be an argument for watching it. Okay, what else did they say? Uh, the Revenant, which we did talk about, and Cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone, with directed oh, by uh, Renny Harlan. I've never seen it. It's a good film. It's really good. It? It's got uh, mm. it's got John Lithgow doing a very questionable but funny British. He plays the villain in the movie. He's just like it got a really weird accident in that film, but it does take place on a mountain. It's snowing. Lots of people falling off things there's um lots of people falling off things like boxes <laughs> yeah based, you know the beginning yeah. of you know the beginning of ace venture a pet detective when they yes, yes, yes. that's a with, reference with, to this yeah it? the 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 bit with the, the beginning of that film is a spoof on the opening of cliffhanger like it does make you feel you know like when you're watching stuff like um when you're watching things like um in mission impossible ghost protocol and mm. he's crawling up the building and he's nearly falling down and he did that for real. It's stuff like that. There's moments like that where you're just like, oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get you get vertigo on behalf of the um Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it does yeah. it it makes you it it yeah, it does stuff. Um, another snow film is that not very good Everest film. I just remembered speaking of mountains. It's okay. Oh yeah, I don't know. That was a bit shit, wasn't it? Um, but um some where good you, mountains. Where did you, where, where, stuff where did it? you see it? <laughs> in the cinema when it came out. You it sure in the cinema? Yes. Oh, oh okay. I, I used definitely... to go to the movies Andy, when I was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did, I thought you watched it on like uh, the plane or something. I don't know. Cause I didn't, I, no, I didn't, would... wouldn't. I, I wouldn't watch a film like that on a plane. I feel like um, uh, when I'm on a plane, I want to watch something that's very closely tethered to the ground and doesn't feel threatening in any way. Although I did watch Wolf of Snow Hollow. So yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you, know what I, you know what I love on a plane is just like, just give me like Star Wars or, or tell you what I watched recently on a plane, The Matrix, like just something which just nice. takes my mind off the fact that I'm in a fart tube full of land pigs, um, you know, flying through the sky with all this fuel. Um, I just just so I can escape, you know, and watch something um, mindless. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, that uh, thank you, Smoke and Mirrors. Um, yeah, those are do all those are all great suggestions. We'll give them a, a shout out in, when we post this episode on Twitter, and we'll add their uh, links to their pages in the episode notes when the episode comes out. So, yeah. um, should we should we give some honourable mentions? Yeah, let's do that. So we already talked about some of the westerns that aren't on there. Um, I, um, uh, when you mentioned on, what was it on? On Deadly Ground. Um, on Deadly Ground, yeah. There's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film noir uh, called On Dangerous Ground, um, again with Robert Ryan and with Ida Lupino as a blind woman. Um, if I feel like um, that could easily make the cut. Um, it is a fantastic film. Um, and it's, um, you know again like with day of the outlaw they use the fact that robert ryan could play heroes and villains equally well to great effect because he basically in both films he plays a, a flawed hero um and um yeah it's also got our old favorite uh ward bond um and it's just it's just a brilliant film it's on the criterions. i really suggest that you use my login uh, and watch <laughs> it <laughs> yeah i'm sort of uh trying to make through make my way through a few films that are sort of leaving um i saw i saw a very funny uh slightly funny film called The Grass is Greener with Cary Grant and Robert Mitchum and Deborah Kerr and Gene oh, I Simmons. I saw that. Yeah, it's a yeah. sort of drawing room comedy, but it's not a Snow film. So why of the, the fuck film. are you talking about it? There is a Snow film with Robert, Re- no, not Robert Redford, Robert Mitchum, that I really want to watch called The Track of the Cat, which is directed. Yes, by... I've never seen that. I have it on DVD, but um, yeah I've, never, yeah, I've never actually watched it. Yeah. Um. So the other films I put on my list, I put Winter Light, which is another Swedish film uh, directed by Ingmar Bergman, which is a film about a priest um losing his faith, <laughs> and it is a it is a wonderful film. Sounds fun. <laughs> it's 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 very bleak and Max von Sydow is in it. It's it, it served as a big inspiration for um, Paul Schrader's film First Reformed. And when you watch First, if you if you watch Winter Light and then watch First Reformed, then you'll realize, wow, he really kind of might have ripped off that movie a little bit. Um, I put Wonder Boys on here. It's kind of a snow film. It's set in winter. There's a lot of snow, and it's set in like sort of New Englandy sort of area or Pittsburgh, I think. It's set in uh, Pittsburgh, it's not set in New England New, Pittsburgh is in the fucking Midwest New, New England or Pittsburgh I meant uh, Well it's thi- set in Pittsburgh so not New England or Pittsburgh, <laughs> is it also set in New England? I think it might be set in New England but they probably filmed it in Pittsburgh I'm not sure how on earth I mean, no, we're not uh, <laughs> I'll I mean, I'll I i have not seen it for a while. I'll look it up later. Your brain except. might be scrambled or the film's brain might be scrambled or both. Um yeah, I I also put fixed bayonets, the Sam Fuller Korean War film, which takes place in a snowy sort of locale. Touch Touching the Void, which is a really good documentary. Also a survival winter film, uh Great Silence, The Hateful Eight, March of the Penguins. Um you can't have all these documentaries. <laughs> Eternal Sunshines of the Spotless Mind, which is yeah, a does, snow film. It's a it's a snow film. Uh Misery. It's a snow film. Yeah, we didn't again that had to go because we had to yeah. many a The Grey, which is a Joe Carnahan's survival film about uh oil men who have to survive the wilderness being attacked by wolves. Um quite a, quite a uh quite exciting film. And is that uh Liam oh, Neeson, isn't that? Yeah, Liam Neeson is in it. Hmm. He's got a special set of skills and he uses it to get people out of the wilderness and away from the wolves. Has a very, 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 very frightening plane crash sequence. Ugh. All right, definitely not watching that. Um, uh, I'm thinking of ending things, which is also a very snowy film. And I think also the snow and the winter sort of theme of the movie adds to the tone of the movie. Again, another film that we talked about on uh the on our Home's Movies Recommends episodes. Planes, trains and automobiles, a lot of snow in that, uh, the shinning and a simple plan, which is basically Fargo, but but without the comedy. But it's a it's, it's a it's a great film. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton was uh, nominated for an Oscar for that film. A couple of um, shout outs on my uh, or shout outs of just a couple of honorable mentions. Um, Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> prepare um, the, for the ice age <laughs> the um the brilliant uh animated film um uh, with john leguizamo playing that wonderful sloth um and um uh, ray romano is manny and uh, Ray De- romano. Oh, Yeah, i'm a bully man no, i can't do a ray romano impression anymore I used to do <laughs> oh, oh man that's pretty <laughs> okay. good yeah that- that's much better than my one um and Diego uh, is played by Dennis Leary there's a lot of comedians in that film yeah um so that's fun um and um I also wanted to I mean we talked about a lot of my other shout outs most of which are or sh- honorable mentions sorry most of which are westerns um I also wanted to mention the um uh the snow bound episode of Band of Brothers uh, which takes place in Bastogne uh, mm-hmm. in the Battle of the Bulge um it's uh i feel like that's one if that was a film i think that would be number 1 because it's one of the snowiest coldest feeling things like your feet start to hurt and you feel like you're getting frostbite just like watching this film and uh, watching this episode um and it's um it's just so well done um i think it's one of the greatest like evocations of cold and and isolation um I've ever seen, but it's a TV thing, so it doesn't count as a snow movie. But uh, I just wanted I think to, it was uh, shot in a soundstage, I think. I don't really yeah, know, yeah, like a big hangar or something, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and another shout out, uh, why do I keep saying shout out when I mean honorable mention? Another honorable oh, mention, don't. um, that was weird. Uh, the, the another film that we talked about last time is obviously on Her Majesty's Secret Service, um, which we decided was a Christmas film, but it is also a snow film, um, and yeah it has uh the skiing and all the rest of it uh it's 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 fucking um wonderful um yeah i mean just um, speaking of diana rigg who is great in on her majesty's secret service she gives a wonderful final performance in the edgar wright film last night in soho which was one of my favorite films of last year but it is is it a snow film no it's not last night in Snowhoe. It's <laughs> so, um, that's, that's not on our list. We can't talk about it. Um, so so, so, get it out of your dirty mouth. Um, yeah, On a Secret Service, very, very funny. I've never seen the Gold Rush, the Charlie Chaplin. Um, yeah, never, I've never seen it either. It is on, again, it's also on the Criterion channel. Yeah. Did someone shout out with that on Twitter? Or did I make that up? No, I don't think so. I might have added it as a pitch. I might have added it as a picture online. I thought I thought I thought someone did. I thought I saw you reply to someone. Did I? I feel like you did. <laughs> um I just, <laughs> I just I suddenly remembered. I was like, now that we're doing the now that we're doing the shout outs, I'm like, uh oh. Did we uh did we forget oh, to wait, maybe someone did. I'll just go on my Twitter page really quickly. Um you just carry on talking. Um Well, I'm done. I'm done here waiting for you to fucking sort your life out and um you know figure out if you've forgotten to recognize one of our <laughs> listeners <laughs> i did do that last on the last episode i was really bad about it oh yes fuck yes that's true that's true that's true um yeah shock at schlock and or the schlock and or podcast they wrote hateful eight wolf of snow hollow uh runaway train with john voigt and eric roberts and i think eric roberts was nominated for an Oscar for that film uh, I think you can get that on through Arrow Films, the Blu-ray and the Gold Rush they also mentioned. Okay. Um, so everyone seems to love The Hateful Eight. Um, also, I think for Runaway Train, uh, you should have written in for our trains episode. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, um, There's also Snowpiercer, of course, which is, you know has snow in the title, but is a train film. Technically, um, I mean, so, well, um, it spends most of the time in a train in a snowy world well that's been ruined by climate change. And also, actually, another snow train film, another snow train crossover, is uh, Murder on the Orient Express. One day, we'll do top ten snowy train films. (laughs) But, no, Schlock and Orr, thank you for reaching out. And as you get a slap on the wrist for forgetting to mention them earlier. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you should write all these things down before you start recording, like a professional podcaster <laughs> would do. I have it. I had my Twitter, the Twitter, our homes, we podcast Twitter page, and I like retweet them onto the page so I don't have to write it down. So I'm not wasting I, paper. And, 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 and no, one, no one cares. <laughs> um, can we move on with this ridiculous? Because I'm all project? about the environment. I want to waste paper. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, on to the list. Uh, so at number five is. In brackets controversial, and I'll let Adam describe or explain why. Um, it's the uh dun 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 the Empire Strikes Back. Brackets controversial. Um thanks for putting this theme in my head for the rest of the day, Anders. That's not gonna be easy to shake. Um Okay, why is it controversial? Because... Is it a snow film? Well, it, well, the beginning of the film, it does take place in a snowy locale that they filmed oh. in, Nor- in Norway. In Norway. Uh, yes, so, you know, people... Yeah, this is potentially controversial because there is no snow on Dagobah. There is no snow on Bespin. There is no snow in the asteroid field. There is no snow inside the Millennium Falcon. But um, there is snow on Hoth. And... Um, there is a uh, um, there is a tone that is set in those early scenes on Hoth that I think pervades the rest of the film. You know, you've had your Star Wars, you've had your a new hope, you know, you've been drawn into this world of robots and, and spaceships and adventure and excitement and princesses and rebels and blah, blah, blah. And now we're going dark. Now we're taking you into the heart of darkness, taking you into the frozen wastes of the human soul. And that's where, um, that's where it opens, you know, with 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 Luke getting captured by the by the by the abominable snowman Yeti thing, and um womper. and Wampa. I think it's a Wampa. Is it a Wampa? I thought a Wampa was something else. Oh no, no, it's. A, I think it's a Wampa. No, the the thing that he's riding is a Tauntaun. Uh, yeah, okay, Wampa. What is a what's a wookiee <laughs> Wampa. It's, okay. it's a bear. It's a it's a bear. <laughs> I think he just shot a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> Wampas or wampa ice cream, white furred primitive species of mammal which developed on the snow clad planet Hoth. Yes, that's what it is. There's something called Wikipedia. Yeah, it's, a, it's I a, this. It's Yeah, I, I, I. Of course, I know about this. Anything, anything Star Wars related that I don't understand, I just go on Wikipedia and just hope that somebody can explain it to me. This is incredible. Standing at a height of two point five to three meters and with an average mass of one hundred and fifty kilograms, the Wampa was one of Hoth's top carnivorous predators. The mammals sported a pair of small cranial horns and lived in caves. Wampas also demonstrated a form of sentience and cared greatly about their clans. What the fuck? Is- Where is that? And also, why have they gone extinct? Like, what? Who knows all this stuff? Star Wars people are so weird. (laughs) That's brilliant. I am spending some time on Wikipedia. Seriously, I don't mean to impugn anyone's uh, nerdery. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Okay, so. Could we get back to why the Strikes Back is on the list? Now I'm telling you to get back, stay on target. <laughs> <Stay> on target. <laughs> Almost there. Um, it is a snow film because when you think about The Empire Strikes Back, what do you think about? You think about the snow scenes on Hoth. You think about the 8080 Walkers. You think about the attack on the what's the base called? Uh, the Echo Base. Echo base, yeah. You think about you think about that whole sequence, and then you think about just the mood of the film. And I feel like, it, as I said earlier, like I feel like the tone of the Empire Strikes Back is set by the snow. Um, and I just, um, well, the first I, scene I, I, of the I, movie, the hero is taken away by a Wampa. That is apparently how tall are Wampas? Well, how how tall were two point five to three meters? <laughs> two point five um, to I three meters. I thought you said we were supposed to leave Wampas aside. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I was just kind of getting back to it because it just it puts. I think because like in the last film. The heroes win, and in this one the heroes are put through the ringer a lot, and you know, they get through into a lot of problems. And it all starts on Hoth. the with snowy, the Wompa. with the with the snowy planet and the ATAT walkers and the uh you know, all the Wompa. H- <laughs> and stuff. And the Wampa. And the Wampa, yeah. Um <laughs> I was like I am yeah, the Walrus. I am the, <laughs> <laughs> the Wampa. Um I, yeah so Empire Strikes Back it's got to be on there um when I think about snow films it's one of the first things that pops into my head so uh yeah um it's a great but I think it's a- it's a great all the sort of snow like all the stuff the scenes on Hoth do take up quite a bit of the movie and you actually feel like the whole film could just take place on that planet but then oh. the shit hits the fan and then they're separated our heroes are separated it's so good the Empire Strikes Back, My my it's just I meant to say the Empire strikes that the Empire Strikes Back is such a good film uh it's the best Star Wars film and um yeah. it's um it's just so um it, it's just it's such a great adventure but it's also I love how dark they let it get and um yeah it's um it's a delight. So um, yeah, it's. I do think it's a snow film. If you disagree, you can write to us and uh, we'll have a debate about yes. it. Why not? homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com and, and also at homesmoviespod. I'm definitely going to be spending some time on Wikipedia, my word. That's the best thing I've discovered all day. Anyway, what's at number four? Yeah. Well, just before we get... to speaking of Star Wars, have you been watching The Book of Boba Fett? Not yet, but I'm going to start soon. It's pretty good. It's. It, I mean, the last episode is... Is pretty pretty great. Uh they managed to humanize the Tuscan Raiders and they managed to it's like it's basically like the first two episodes because it keeps flashing back a lot of stuff with Tuscan Raiders and um it's like dances with wolves a little bit. And there's one Tuscan Raiders, dances with wolves for Tuscans. I mean it's it's high time someone humanized the Tuscan Raiders because yeah. you know it's, it's a, they they really have been very hard done by in cinema. Yeah. And uh there's one scene in the film which did remind me a little bit of Lawrence of Arabia. In the film, no, in uh, in uh, the book of Boba Fett episode. Yeah, you said in the film. It's a television show. I'm just it's being pedantic. So, at number four is a film I haven't seen, but I really want to. Again, it's another film on the Criterion Channel. It's the film, the Russian film, The Ascent, which uh, off, 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 Mike, you did tell me this is like the snowiest film you've ever seen. I watched this the other night, and um. It was quite fortuitous timing seeing as we're doing our snow movies. It is tremendously snowy. Um, the snow is all encompassing in this film. It opens with snow, it closes with snow. There's no scene basically where people aren't either in the snow or like trying desperately to shelter from it. Um, it's a well, it takes place during the Second World War. Uh it's in occupied uh Bela Russia, which is you know, White Russia, very appropriate. Um, and um and the um You know, you have have partisans operating behind the German lines and you have the Germans trying to catch them. And two partisans go off to try and get provisions and um, events unfold from there. Um, It's incredibly beautiful. It really reminded me of... um, drier um and and specifically the themes of the film and the sort of plot reminded me a lot of the the uh the passion of Joan of Arc there is a kind of weird kind of religious undertone in this film which is very very interesting but yeah the snow is everywhere and it really like there's a there's a scene where one character is being dragged through the snow and you can like see it like going down his shirt and into his mouth and his ears and it's like you feel so cold watching this poor guy and you feel the the ice and the wind and you and the, they filmed the, the cinematography, it's black and white, it's done so well. So the whole, the landscape becomes one with the sky, you know, and the sun is just this little cold disk, you know, like it's so stark and 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 icy and just sort of like. Ugh. uh it's it's so um yeah. it's 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 really really great and i feel like you know we talked about well you know snow films you've got to have some swedish films on this i feel like we couldn't do a top 10 snow films and not include a russian movie i mean russia is synonymous with harsh winters um you know yeah. the, actually when i when we were preparing for this podcast i was thinking about that great scene in the duelists where they're on the retreat from moscow um and um and they're like frozen then they get into that fight with the russian cavalryman or whatever it is um uh, I need to watch The Duelists again. Uh, but yeah, but that's obviously not a snow film because that's just one scene in the film. But this, as I say, this film has nothing but snow. It is a film just like uh, I described with the Band of Brothers episodes. It's a film that practically gives you frostbite while you're watching it. And um, yeah, it's 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 just like, whoa, um, Uh, I I just yeah I know I I don't I don't know what to say other than just to sort of make appreciative and and awestruck noises it's um uh it's 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 brilliant it's also the only film on our list today that's directed by a woman um yeah I want to bring uh, this up yeah it you know very rarely do we bring up films directed by women and I feel like in the future I do want to do a lot more of that (laughs) yeah it's just it's 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 something we have to recognize as a problem with ourselves like we watch a lot of films that um um that are sort of within the kind of establishment blockbuster hollywood um uh you know uh type you know whether it's uh, westerns or horror movies or science fiction or whatever and generally speaking when studios make films that they want to make money they put men in charge even now and that's a shame and obviously historically women have been kept out of the director's chair because of institutional and systemic um chauvinism sexism call it what you will so yeah um bad on us for not watching more films directed by women and bad on you listener if you're like us basically and like everyone else um yeah. And ban on the fucking film industry for being so um, male-dominated and uh, misogynistic. Uh, but La- La- Larissa Shapitko um, directed *The Ascent*. Um, she was obviously a brilliant filmmaker. Unfortunately, she died um, just after the film was made, as she was scouting locations for her next film. She died in a car crash, and it's terrible because there are really—it was clearly an amazing uh, talent there. And um, that's really uh, sad. Yeah. yeah, I know it sucks, and but it's. Um, I, I think it, it is it is one of the um I think it's one of the great pieces of Soviet cinema. I know she was very close to uh, Andrei Tarkovsky. It has a slight Tarkovsky vibe as well. I think um I think if you like um films that are a little bit slower, a bit more meditative, you're gonna love this film. So um yeah, go go check out The Ascent. It came out in 1977. It's available on the Criterion channel in the US and I'm sure lots of other places, both legal and illegal. Um yeah, you, and can also out- get, you can get it on Blu-ray as well as part of the Criterion collection. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. so, um so, we're in the top three. We're in the top in- three snow films, the coldest films in Christendom. <laughs> yeah, this is a well, the film we are about to talk about is really one of my top favorite films. And every time I watch it, I just feel cold the entire the entire time while watching it also paranoid as well yeah, and that saying. is cold and, and, the, paranoid. and that is the uh film directed by john carpenter and that is the thing which um is a remake it's a remake of the thing from another world which came out in the 1950s that uh, i think howard hawke's ghost directed i believe and um it's a fantastic film. It's a masterpiece if there ever was one. I think it's John Carpenter's best film. I think he really peaked with that film. It should have been a huge success. It wasn't. No, it was a it was a huge box office disaster, and people gave it a lot of crap. Um, a few months before that, uh, E. T. came out, and that was a huge blockbuster hit. And everyone was kind of like, "I don't really feel like watching a, a an evil alien movie." <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing and so it like stole the thunder of the yeah, because everyone was kind of like, well, Dana Gould talked about this on his podcast before before the new year, and everyone was just kind of like, oh, I don't want to watch a, an, an evil alien movie. I want to watch the movie with the I'll be right here Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Wipes away a tear. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just the, the cinematography is amazing. Like, just, he creates paranoia just like, like, the way, like, there's one of my favorite shots in the movie is just of Kurt Russell like sitting in a chair and he's but like there's a doorway that's there like you're just looking just every shot in the movie you're just looking at everyone and looking at every corner of the movie and you're just kind of like feeling like god I've just what is going to happen and it's just uh, amazing the special effects are amazing Rob Bottin who um, was a protege of uh, Rick Baker uh who you know the great rick baker who did the makeup effects on american werewolf in london and men in black and won seven oscars he you know he he was you know rob boteen was 22 when he was doing a lot of the makeup effects in this movie and i think he had to be hospitalized for exhaustion because he was working so fucking hard on that movie the effects are incredible in the thing um yeah they're just, they're, they're, they're like nothing you've ever seen before, before or since, I will say. Like, I, they're, because they're practical effects, right? They're, they're so, um, they feel completely unique. It's And some of them are just like, like, what the fuck? How the hell did they come up with that? <laughs> you know, like the But it never, like it never feels dated. It never feels dated. It still holds up. Doesn't. No, it absolutely holds up because they, as I say, like they do things practically and it relies on location. Uh, again, they filmed in Norway, didn't they? Uh, uh, no, they actually, what they did, they shot in a soundstage in the, oh. in the, in the heartland of California, which was LA, like just boiling hot and they shot in a studio and they shot, they brought the temperature down. So it was freezing. And so it Ooh. made it cold for the actors. And that's what Tarantino did on the hateful Eight, and the Hateful Eight is was Tarantino's way of recreating the feeling that he got when he saw the thing and yeah. um and the thing is a lot better than The Hateful Eight and they use some music from the thing uh Ennio Morricone did music for both films and the, the score is great it's very minimalistic and it's very catchy and it's just, you know, it, it's a film that really holds up. You can just, every time I watch the film, I'm always like, when did these people get attacked by this alien and all that sort of stuff? It's just, a, it just it's a perfect film for the pandemic era. That's what I'll say. Oh my God. Yeah, it's yeah, the creeping dread. Like who has it? Who doesn't? Like, can we trust anyone? Like isolation, paranoia. Yeah, it's, it's such a good pandemic film. That's a great point. I'm sad to hear that it didn't do well when it came out, but no, I think yeah. it's enduring classic definitely um and um you know i think it's considered uh, one of the great films of its era um and um yeah I mean, as you say it just has so much going for it and um yeah what about the, the external shots they weren't done in the studio they must no, have the found external the there. external shots were done i believe in canada canada okay um yeah which is cold and snowy but yeah this is our as we mentioned uh antarctica and scientists earlier this is these are our antarctic scientists coming a cropper when a when an alien comes into their midst and um yeah decimates them um so uh so yeah the thing brilliant film if you haven't seen yeah. it um so what we're in the top two this is this is getting seriously chilly now so number two is where eagles dare which is another war snow film yes. Broad sword um, calling Danny Boy. Broad sword broad calling, calling Danny, Danny Boy. boy. Yeah. Um Where Eagles Dare is um one of those films that I could watch every single day. Um it is uh the one of the classic men on a mission war film. Uh, it has Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood. It has a fantastic score. It has adventure, Daring Do. It has Ingrid Pitt. It has um, it has a cable car. It has um, shootout, shootout with the Germans. Uh, it has everything. It also makes no fucking sense. Uh, it's like, if this was a real mission in the war, it, like, it is completely stupid. An, an American general who turns out not to be a general is kidnapped by the Germans and they send Richard Burton clint eastwood to rescue him dressed as germans and um uh, it turns out it's just a big deception operation uh to try and it's re- a big action-packed mole hunt that's what the yeah. film really and they're is just trying to they're just trying to winkle out three people they suspect of being spies and another person they suspect of being their uh handler um and uh, it really feels like they go to an enormous length to basically ju- Prove that four people are traitors. Um, they also kill about three million Germans in the film and um, cause any number of like any amount of havoc They kill so many Nazis in that film. It's like the whole German army is in like one like like ski, it's like a ski resort for the Nazis and they just blow it up. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. It's like they between between this film and the dirty dozen, more Germans bit the dust than they did on the entire Battle of Stalingrad, for fuck's sake. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous, but um, it is incredibly entertaining there's a great book uh who's it by there's a um there's this one, um the, I'm, getting, there's I'm, a, I'm getting a name mixed up no it's not it's not uh i'll look it up you uh it's you. jeff dyer just, uh, a I do have record. the book, I do have the book somewhere. It's very, very funny. And he does this loving um, sort of scene by scene journey through Where Eagles Dare. Um, and it's very, it, it, it's very, very sweet, um, but it's also like incredibly funny and points out some of the ridiculousness yeah. with the film. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a great like Sunday afternoon with a pint feet up on the, you know, feet up on the, on the table, just watching, yeah. um, you know, a silly, um, a silly war film. It's, it's the quintessential kind of like the, 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 the films that for whatever reason just became really popular in the sixties. This kind of like advent boys own adventure during the war movies, like the guns of Navarone or whatever. Um, the dirty um, dozen. Of- uh, well, it was dozen. also directed by Brian G Hutton, who two years later would do another uh, war film with Clint Eastwood, Kelly's heroes. Right, right, yeah, which is another kind of silly adventure, World War II film. Yeah, At some point, Hollywood just decided that, like, yeah, World War II was a horrific event that killed 70 million people the world over. Tell you what, we're going to use it as a backdrop for these, like, Boy Scout, <laughs> you know, tales of... of it's, like, it, they're just, it's like Indiana Jones movies. I mean, Spielberg loves uh, Where Eagles Dare, by the way. He's always talking about it um, in interviews. I'm not, like, his mate. I don't go to, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, a director friend <laughs> yeah I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know i've just heard him like talk about it in an interview once So i should rephrase that but yeah um <laughs> i uh it, i have i it, i have so much time for where he goes there the music just that ta, 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 the, the drum beat that begins yeah. the film that all i need i just need to hear that drum beat and i'm right there um and um yeah stupid fun uh but um but very, very well done. And that's the thing. I think they know that this is a ridiculous film, but they play it straight. And um, and I think that's it, it's all the better for it. Um, and um, yeah. yeah, That's what I have to say about Where Eagles there. really. I mean, um, I feel like um, the people who've seen it will know that it's good and will agree. And uh, the people who haven't will go and watch it and either be completely horrified or will join <laughs> the cult of weird people who like these world war ii movies um, yeah i mean Clint Eastwood. He's the fucking punisher in that film he just mows down like so many germans in that film i mean it's just it's so over the top and the little di- the, the endless supply of dynamite they have okay look we can't we can't get into it in <laughs> forensic detail but just watch it people uh don't take it seriously um yeah where Eagles goes number two very snowy by the way lots of yeah. snow uh, so at number one is uh the probably the snowiest film the Cohen brothers ever did, and that is Fargo Fargo, which also spawned a very snowy TV series, also called Fargo. So it's like it's snow all the way down. Yeah, it says in Minnesota. What was that? Minnesota. Minnesota. I was trying Are to do to- it. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota! Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota. No, no, you're not doing the accent right. You sound like a, a complete numpty. Mm. Right, say, say, just do it in your um, in your Manny from Ice Age voice. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, that's better. Um, and, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah, this right is going out the in a Windy City. I'm going crazy out there in the lake. Um, okay. Um, the the um the the film really yeah this is a film about an accent about one of the most adorable accents in white america and that is the minnesota um midwest minnesota accent yeah because a lot in in part is inflected by scandinavian uh exactly a lot of swedish and danish and norwegian immigrants settled in that part of the world i guess they liked it because it's cold um and um the film is basically a love letter to this kind of regional peculiarity but it's also a a, a hilarious plot about kidnapping and uh financial anxiety um and such a, 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 a utterly hilarious performance from um um from William H Macy like i i just the, the scenes where he is wheedling in the car dealership, it's like, oh, you know, they put it right on in the fact, you know, they put it on right there in the factory and, you know, the true coat. And that guy calls him, you're a liar. You're a fucking liar. It's like, you're a bald faced liar. Fucking liar. I love that. <laughs> and his wife is like, Edgar. <laughs> and, the, and the bit where he loses, later in the film, where he loses his shit while he's trying to scrape the ice off his car and he starts whacking it with the little snow thing. I mean, it's so fucking funny. Um, um, it's, Steve, Buscemi, the, the, Steve Buscemi is very amusing in this film and comes a cropper. But the film, I mean, you've got these, these two sort of comic, uh, sort of broadly comic performances from these, slimy guys, but the, the centre, the core of the film is Marge Gunderson, played by um, Francis McDormand, uh, who deservedly walked away with an uh, Academy Award. Yeah, she doesn't show up until, like, the hero of the movie doesn't show up until, like, seventy, not 37 minutes into the film. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I need to watch it again. I mean, she, where, where um, William H. Macy's character and Steve Buscemi's character are kind of broad and talkative and sort of big in their comedy, her comedy is more Restraint, like she's very straight like she's also like she feels like just someone's aunt uh, and yet she's this like incredibly effective um cop who you know solves the solves the mystery um yeah and um and is and is such an endearing hero um in this um in this bleak film I mean it's also such a bleak film about um it's such this a sad and tragic film in many ways when yeah. you really think about not- it There's that scene where she goes to have dinner with her old high school. um, Yeah, Mike, Mike, the Mike Yamakita scene, which for for a while I always kind of thought like, why is the scene in the movie? But as I got older and watched the film, it's like there's a real reason why that scene is in the film because you find out that Mike Yamakita he says all this stuff uh, and he turns out to be a liar, and then that fucking liar, (laughs) fucking liar, and then that influences her to go back to william h macy to talk to him again because there was something that oh maybe he was lying as well so i always felt like that was like Whoa. it's always like when you think about it, it's like like the the things that is like maybe it's not that important but actually does have some sort of importance and in fargo season three there's a whole mike yamakita episode where you just feel like why is that what is going on in this episode and then it actually does push some things along and I thought that was such a kind of like genius thing. That's really interesting that that you that it that you've identified that. I hadn't thought about that before but what I also love about that scene is how sort of how much it defines the mood of the film like it's so sad that he sort of feels the need to lie and that he sort of propositions her in that moment and um it's just like he tries to sleep with a pregnant woman basically yeah I mean like room for one more uh <laughs> like he's uh, he's got a he's um he's really um just such a sad character and it's like that I I think Fargo is so successful because at the heart of it there is this like terrible um sense of ennui and 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 hopelessness and 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 yet she is just so like she keeps her head up throughout and just yeah exactly serves the community and and does what she needs to do it's in some ways you know she's like a sort of modern john wayne you know just like believing in right and wrong and believing that she needs to um you know serve justice and not question it but but not in the sort of gung-ho way in a sort of like right this is you know roll up your sleeves kind of thing yeah um it's yeah it just it's such a great film uh, the more i think about it um th- th- the more i'm convinced that this is a such a worthy number one and yes it is snowy as you like i mean it is just th- the snow um one thing we haven't talked about in all of these films actually um is the idea of blood on snow like what an image that is yeah. in cinema. like, it's such a shocking, you know, white and, uh, you know, white on red on white, even, um, you know, the idea of purity being sullied, um, you know, there are obviously like connotations with like, you know, sexual things there, but also it is just like a, a very, um, horrific image to see like snow stained red by corpses or by, you know, um, gunshot wounds yeah. or, 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 or you know in the famous sequence with the wood chipper i mean it's it's such a like uh they, they really make so much use out of this kind of image um and um which you know you can't have without snow so um yeah, so exactly. that's why uh, snow films come in handy but no it's um it it it, it the 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 way that winter is just seen as a fact of life, and but nevertheless one that kind of defines what it is to live in this place. Because what happens in winter is you get stuck, you hibernate, you stop developing, you stop adapting. Like not you, 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 do, you are adapting, but in doing so, you're kind of stopping any sense of forward motion, and so everything is kind of frozen in place, literally. And um, and that the film just brings that across so well yeah it's really really good um and the influence of it is felt even in something like the sopranos in the pine barrens episode where paulie and christopher get lost which is directed by steve Buscemi. of course yeah and another if that was a film that's a that's a kind of a snow snow film it's a short snow film right there yeah that's a great episode i love the pine barrens episode i know you're always banging on about fucking pine barrens but yes um it is a good episode of the sopranos um and um yeah so anyway um that was that was that was number one so should we run through the list yeah so excuse me uh so at number 10 the wolf of snow hollow number nine jeremiah johnson number eight let the right one in number seven wind river uh, number six, Force Majeure. Number five, The Empire Strikes Back. Number four, The Ascent. Uh, number three, The Thing. Number two, Where Eagles Dare. And number one, Fargo. Um, yeah, Fargo uh, is, is. They're all good. I'm really pleased with this list. I feel like um, I feel like all of these films are are, are real favourites of mine. Um, I want to. I kind of want to go and watch them all right now. Um, and I, I yeah, I hope other people agree. Uh, and if they don't, well, remember the old saying lists yeah. are bullshit. also I will say this the wolf of snow hollow technically is a christmas movie as well <laughs> right yeah It could have been on our other list but it wasn't so uh, yeah. anyway we've justice justice has been done but I think next time we'll try and take on a warmer subject don't you think uh, get out of all this ice and cold and, uh, and do something more cozy what should what should it be I don't know yeah well we can maybe maybe the listeners will ch- uh, chip in with some of their ideas yeah. um I know one A friend of the show, Alexi, asks for um, sports films. I just I don't know that there are that many good ones that I've seen. I've seen Uh, a few, but yeah, I I I could probably probably... Moneyball, Cool Running. Cool Running is (laughs) a snow film. I've seen all the way through, so I haven't exactly put it on the list. And Eddie the Eagle. This is, this Eddie is Eagle that yeah, that's a, film. Film. that's a good film. That's a good film. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Anyway, um, you know, so that's one example of a, of a top 10 that we might do at some point. But if you have any ideas, you can uh, get in touch. Yeah. Snow dogs That's a good that's a good snow film, sports film. Yeah. How can people get in touch? Tell them, that I set you up <laughs> and then you just said snow dogs. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. in the last film that James Coburn was in and is, uh, how can people get in touch with us oh yeah sorry uh um twitter yes you can uh you could i forgot where, where we were for a second uh yeah. you can. you can uh follow us at homes movies pod you can also 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 follow me at fabricious 91 adam is the northampton dane um on, i'm right i am yeah, right, I am. Um, I'm also on Instagram, and F Homes. Uh, Adam is adam.h.f.homes, uh, homes movies podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us, send us an email there. Uh the homes movies uh, pl- uh plog, blog, plog, blog, <laughs> uh, you can you could check that out. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify uh podomatic um stitcher google podcasts uh i'll be adding the link tree link into the um into the episode description so you can check them out there um yeah that's been this has been our top 10 uh snow episodes uh s- snow episodes snow films snow 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 films, <laughs> <laughs> snow films episode That's us, yeah. We'll stay tuned for more episodes in in the new year, and uh, yeah. Yeah, more of our bullshit lists. (laughs) Yeah. What was that last? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. More top tens coming your way soon. More top tens. Yes. Uh, we will be figuring out what the next one is. Do follow us at Holmes Movies Pod to comment on uh, You just on... said that. I know, but I'm saying it again just so that people oh, remember it. <laughs> this town is a cover? part of us all. A part of us all. A part of us all. Sorry, but if I say, it, if I repeat it, then you'll remember it. It's a Simpsons reference. That's that from Simpsons. It's, it's, it's the one where they steal the lemon tree uh oh, speaking of snow bits feels like i'm wearing nothing at all nothing at nothing all, at all. <laughs> stupid sexy stupid, Flanders. sexy Oh, Flanders. <laughs> uh, i have a good memory of our dad laughing quite a lot watching that bit, that part of the episode <laughs> well, it's, it's it's very very funny um anyway um uh, let's get out of here um goodbye goodbye stay warm it is winter yes winter is here as they say on the game of thrones can we just go and (laughs) complete i know you gentlemen have been through a lot and when you find the time i'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch